0: In just a moment, we're going to look at a couple of verses in Romans chapter 12, but I want to uh, mention a verse to you in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. The Bible says this, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. The idea of walk in wisdom is to pay attention to what you're doing. You know, sometimes we do things so many times we just stop thinking about what we're doing. I, I found out that Pastor Tony doesn't drink coffee and I kind of feel like part of our friendship we'll never experience because I'm a coffee drinker. You know, we go up north and we go down south and we travel all around. And even in Honduras, I can find somebody that shares my love of coffee. I've never tried to figure out how many cups of coffee I've probably had in my life. It'd probably be a scary thing to think about. But uh, every day at least I have one cup almost every, every day. And I've been doing it for years. And, and uh, you'd think that if there's something I'd be good at, it would be drinking coffee. And yet, this can happen to me, even though I've been, I consider myself an experienced coffee drinker. I can go to take a sip of coffee, and I can put it up to my mouth, which, by the way, has been the same place my whole life. I can put it up to my mouth, and I can miss my mouth completely, and goes down my shirt and just makes a mess, and, and I feel like an idiot. My wife probably doesn't, probably would just laugh at me, I don't know. But uh, why is it that something I know how to do I can mess up with so much? Because I'm not paying attention. We have a truck and an RV trailer, and we travel the country, and as I'm driving down the road, I've driven it so much now, I don't really think about how I'm driving. I'm from Connecticut. You probably think no Connecticut drivers think how they're driving. I don't know, but if I'm going down the road, I can get to the edge of the road and hit the rumble strips and kind of just wakes all of us up for a couple seconds, and what are we doing? Oh, I, I better pay attention to what I'm doing again and get back to where I'm supposed to be. You know, that missions is something that we ought to pay attention to what we're doing, I I don't think there's too many churches like this one that don't give some consideration towards missions, but missions is something that it's a right thing to pay attention to what we're doing. I love your theme for this year, greater, the idea of pushing forward and and let's accomplish what God's called us to accomplish. Now, I'll say this, as we have this service tonight, I mentioned this in some of the kids classes this morning, about 50% of the world has never heard the gospel one time. About 50% of the world has never heard the name Jesus Christ. We can have a missions program and we can have a missions conference, but we ought to be thinking, how are we going to accomplish what God's told us to accomplish and get the gospel where it has not gone? There's about 4,000 languages that don't have the word of God translated into their language. We've got some work to do. So so let's band together tonight and, and make an effort To accomplish what God's told us to accomplish, to get the gospel to the world. Let's let's push ourselves farther. Let's do something greater. I'm going to preach a message to you, and I'm going to ask you to make a decision. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to twist your arm to make a decision. But in your mind, at least, I'd like you to make a decision. Will you do something greater this year? Will it not just be a theme, but will it be in your heart that, yes, by God's grace, it's my desire to do something greater, maybe by praying more for missionaries. Maybe by visiting a mission field, maybe by giving towards missions. Romans chapter 12, there's a verse that's probably familiar to some of us. Verse number 1, the Bible says this, Romans chapter 12, in verse number 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is the idea of taking who we are, everything that we we desire, everything that we hope for, and saying, look, I'm going to give up my dreams, and I'm just going to do what God tells me to do. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to give my life for God, and He can direct it wherever He wants me to go. Can I rephrase this a little bit? Maybe God wants us to do something greater for Him than we did last year. That would be presenting ourselves a living sacrifice, wouldn't it? The Bible says, as we consider this idea of presenting ourselves to God... The Bible says that we ought to present ourselves to him holy, acceptable unto God. The Bible says which is our reasonable service. Now I'm, I'm definitely not the smartest person in this room. My wife's probably nodding her head, I don't know. But I've learned a couple things but I do like it when I look at something and I can figure it out. You know, there's just a sense of satisfaction when you're putting something together and you don't have leftover pieces when you're done with it. It's satisfying if you work on your vehicle or whatever and and you don't have to take it to a mechanic and you save some money and you think, boy, I did that. I figured it out. I'm kind of satisfied. The Bible says that giving God our life, serving Him, doing something greater for Him is not spectacular. It's reasonable. Sometimes that disagrees with our thinking. We Listen to the missionaries going to, to to different countries and we hear about the stories of, of, of the mission field and we think, my goodness, they're just doing something amazing for God. But may I say this? Doing something greater for God is just reasonable. It's logical. In other words, if we really think about it, logic itself ought to tell us, hey, it's okay to do something greater. It's okay to reach a little bit farther. It's okay to do something that maybe we've never done before and take a little bit of faith and maybe even take a little bit of risk serving God. It's a reasonable thing. Why why is it reasonable? I started looking at this passage of scripture and trying to answer the question in my own mind, is it reasonable to go to Honduras? Is it reasonable to to take my house and sell it and move my family to a third world country that's got the highest murder rate in the world? Is it really reasonable or am am I crazy? So I begin to look at this passage, if you back up one verse, in in Romans chapter 11 and verse 36, the Bible says this, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. The the idea of this, because of who God is, it's reasonable to serve him. You ever done something for your spouse that maybe cost you something? I I don't understand exactly how all this jewelry giving works. You know, I've been married for a while, but I I mean, I'm... I look at a cubic zirconium, and I look at a diamond, and I can't tell the difference. Now, as practical as you can be, it really shouldn't make a difference what you give to your fiancé. It really shouldn't make a difference how much you spend. I mean, isn't it the love that counts? But it doesn't work that way, does it? And and I'll tell you this, the jewelers know that they can twist your arm, and they can use your emotion to your advantage, and and they'll say, well, your wife would love it for you to spend $10,000 to get this that looks just like this for $10, you know? Well, what do we do? We, we do things that other people may not understand because of our love for somebody. We, we, we think differently. Do you know that as we understand more and more about God, mission stops being a burden and starts being a delight. I, I got people coming to me almost every week and they'll say, boy, I, I'm just so excited for what you're doing. Boy, I, I can't imagine all that, that you're doing. We're just so thankful you're doing it. May I say this? I'm doing what I love to do. I mean, nobody twisted my arm to be a missionary. I am excited to get to Honduras. I can't wait to get out there. I know not everything's going to be easy, but God's put a delight in my heart because of my relationship with God. Now, I started thinking about this. What is it that I know about God that makes it reasonable for me to serve Him? What are the things I've seen and the things that I've experienced? and What's some things that I know about God that make it reasonable for me to do something greater this year? My challenge to you is make a choice to do something greater, but why would you do that? I want to share with you a couple ideas. I won't make it turn to too many passages, but I'll quote some scripture to you. First of all, why is it reasonable to do something greater this year? Number one, because God made us. Because God made us. In Psalm 100 and verse 3, the Bible says, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. That's unique, isn't it? Because I've I met people that believe maybe they're a product of chance. I've met people that don't believe that God created them, but I've never met somebody that says that they created themselves. I mean, that'd be a little bit crazy, wouldn't it? Uh, can you imagine if you talk to somebody and, and you say, "Well, what do you believe about you know creation? Do you believe how, how do?" You? And they say, "Well, I just decided to be born one day, and I looked at the map, and Ohio looked like a good place, and I wanted this kind of parents, so I just chose my birthplace, and I chose my parents. And we had nothing to do with that, did we?" And I, I think anybody that thinks that has got to be crazy, right? Nobody really believes that they made themselves. Why would God's word tell us that we didn't make ourselves if nobody believes it anyway? Now I say this? God doesn't waste words. There's, there's no scripture that's wasted and there's no scripture that's useless. I think the reason that God said don't forget that you didn't make yourselves is sometimes we live like we made ourselves. You see, the, the creator of something gets to decide what that something is for. He gets to design a, 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 an object or a person or whatever he's designing, he gets to design it with a purpose, and with a reason. May I say this, God designed you and God created you for a reason and for a purpose. And if we use our life for something besides that, we find ourselves frustrated and we find ourselves just getting upset with life because we're doing what we were not created to do. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, some of you, I'm sure you all live in a home, and some of you maybe own a home. We owned a home in Connecticut that was built in 1890. And it seemed like a great idea when we bought the home, but then after a little while, it felt like all I was doing was working on the home and working at the house, and I thought I'll never, ever be able to get out of this house. It's going to be the, the death of me. Well, we did a lot of work in the interior of our house, and we did a lot of painting and drywalling and things like that. And if you need to take a light socket off, usually you don't have to go all the way out to the garage to get a, a screwdriver. Usually you can figure a way to get it off with what's in the room, can't you? You've done that before? I mean, you try to get a butter knife out of the kitchen, and you, you try to get that screw out and get that light cover off, and it might work, or you might break the tip off of your knife. Some of you have done that before. Maybe you've taken your thumbnail. Now, be honest. How many of you have done that? Taking your thumbnail, tried to get something off. Now, sometimes it works, and sometimes you just break your thumbnail, and you get angry But it's your own fault because that's not why you have thumbnails. That's not what they were created for. And yet we try to take our life and and we act like we designed ourselves and we created ourselves. We try to live however we want. Well, isn't it logical to say, God, I trust you with my life because you made me? I think that's logical. You don't have to be the smartest person here and have the highest IQ to understand that it's just logical and it's just reasonable to say, God... I'll I'll give you my life and I'll do what you have me to do because God, you made me, number one. Number two, why is it reasonable to do something greater for God? Number one, because he made me. Number two, because he knows me. Because he knows me. If you have Bibles, take them and turn to Psalm 139. And as you're turning there, I'm keeping the guys on the screen busy with all these scripture references, but the Bible says in Luke chapter 12 and verse 7, You don't have to turn there, but turn to Psalm 139. I'm just going to read you this verse. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 7, the Bible says this, even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, that's something to think about, isn't it? I mean, who cares how many hairs are on our head? Some of you make God's job very easy. I'm trying not to make eye contact with anybody, but God knows how many hairs are on your head. Now, I think my wife loves me more than anybody else in this room. And she knows a lot about me. She knows, she knows the things that I enjoy, the things that I dislike. She knows the kind of foods I like to eat. She knows all about me as much as anybody on this earth knows me. But not one time has she woken me up in the night counting the hairs on my head. I mean, that'd be strange, wouldn't it? Who cares how many hairs are on? Now, some of you say, well, I wish my husband had hair, all right? Well, that's not what I'm talking about. But she doesn't wake me up to count the hairs on my head. As much as she loves me, she doesn't care enough to know how many hairs are on my head. The Bible says this, that no man ever yet hated his own flesh. In other words, we're all in love with ourselves. And I'll spend time looking in the mirror. You may not believe that, but I did today, in fact. But I didn't count how many hairs were left on my head. Last time my wife cut my hair, she told me that I was going bald in the back. So I don't know if she's going to cut my hair again. We'll see. But, but I don't count the hairs that are on my head. But, you know, think about this. God, just because he can, knows how many hairs are on your head. That's spectacular to think about. In Psalm chapter 139, Bible says this in verse 1, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Here's the thought, God knows everything about us he knows every time we're going to sit down every time we're going to stand up he knows every word we're going to say before we say it man there's nobody that could know more about you than God knows when we began traveling in deputation we were able to sell our house and purchase a truck and uh, that's a good thing for a guy you know us us men we like to own a truck it doesn't matter if it's a little truck or a big truck we just want to have a truck And uh, we were able to purchase a diesel truck, which I didn't know anything about owning a diesel, but I was glad to own it because it sounded tough and manly, and I was glad to have it. And uh, we started traveling the country, and we haven't had any trouble with it, but I, I started researching and learning all about my truck. And I was told this by a number of people, if you have problems with a diesel truck, take it to a diesel mechanic. And some of you might know that it makes sense. Some of you, maybe you'll never need this in your life, and that's okay, just smile and act happy, okay? But... Diesel engines are different than gasoline engines and so working on them is different and the problems are different and so if you're going to have a symptom that, that, that starts up, go to somebody that knows that truck. Go to somebody that knows diesel engines because they're going to be in a better place to take care of it. Now I'll say this, it's reasonable to say God, what you've told me to do, I'll obey. Lord, I'll give my life as a living sacrifice, God, because you made me, but God, because you know me. Why is it that we think, God, if I give you my life, I'm going to be I asked the kids in in class this morning, what do you think missionaries eat? And they all said, worms. And I said, why is it that you think all missionaries eat worms? We're not going to eat worms when we get to Honduras. I sure hope not. But but, uh, we think that if we give our life to God and we start sacrificing to give to missions, we think if we do greater things or we give God more of us, well, we're just going to be miserable and eating worms the rest of our life. But may I say this? That's not true. God knows where we'll succeed and God knows where we'll fail. I love watching missionaries and seeing the fields that God calls them to. And the places that they serve just seem to fit their personality. I mean, the the polished, classy people go to work in the cities and the rednecks that grow, grow up in the middle of nowhere like I did go to the middle of nowhere in Honduras. God knows what he's doing. God leads the right people to the right place. May i say this tonight. It's a very reasonable thing. Say, God, I don't understand how things are going to work if I give to missions. I don't understand how things are going to work if I, if, if I get more involved in the ministries of the church. I, I don't know how it's all going to work, but you've put this burden in my heart to do something greater. May I say this? Trust God because he knows you. He's not going to lead you to a place just to watch you fail. God knows you well enough. Why don't you trust him? He knows you better than anybody else could ever know you. Why is it reasonable tonight to do something greater for him? Number one. Because God made us. Number two, because he knows us. Number three, God loves us. Now I'll tell you, it's hard to think about the love of God after I think about all that God knows. Isn't it true? Sometimes the more that you know somebody, the less you love them because you see all their problems. May I say this? We talked about the knowledge of God. God knows every time we've been unfaithful in our prayer life. God knows every time we've snapped at our spouse. God knows all the times we've been impatient with our children. And in spite of the fact that God knows everything about us, God loves us. Isn't it something to think that there's nothing we can do that's going to change the fact that God loves us? I think about how much I love my little girl Charlotte. I'd do anything in the world for her or my wife. But as much as I love them, God loves us even more. There's nobody that could love us more than the Lord loves us. In fact, the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could have eternal life, so we could have a relationship with God the Father. There's nobody that has greater love for you than God. I, I mentioned my daughter. You know, there's, there's a couple things in her life that we're trying to work on with her and we're trying to help her with. And There's some things that are good for her, but she doesn't necessarily like now, we try to get her to bed around the same time most nights when we can, and, and the, that usually works. But for the most part, when it, we tell her, Charlotte, it's time for bed, she doesn't get real excited about it. Now, I, maybe it's because, you know, we're, we have a missionary kid and they're all just horrible. I don't know. We're the only people with a missionary child that's here this week. But uh, she's not real excited about going to bed. But I know this. If I said, you know what, you're right. I'm sick of putting you to bed. You can stay up, watch TV, I don't care, eat candy, it'll be great. She'd be so thrilled about it, but I promise you this, 10 minutes later, she'd, she'd have a breakdown. Well, why do I put her to bed? Is it because it's, it's easy for her or because it's good for her? It's good for her. May I say this? Because I love my daughter, I'll do what's best for her when, when I can. If God loves us the way the Bible tells us that he loves us, Why can't we trust him enough to make some good choices for us? We try to run our life and we try to figure everything out and we try to hold back when God says, hey, I want that part of your heart. But if God loves us, it's just reasonable that we'd present ourselves to him. It's just logical. If God loves us, the choices that he makes in our life are going to be good choices and right choices. And it's logical and reasonable to say, God, I give this area to you. I give my giving to you. I give my prayer life to you. I give this relationship to you. Because I know that you love me. And what you do is for my good and for your glory. It's reasonable because he loves us. Why is it reasonable to do something greater? I've got one other concept for you tonight. Number one, he made me. Number two, he knows me. Number three, he loves me. Lastly, number four, he can do something through me. I want to give you a Bible illustration for point number four. I remember... And you remember the story of Moses. God comes to Moses and tells Moses, Moses, I want you to go before Pharaoh with a message, let my people go. Remember that? And Moses and God have this conversation, and I'll paraphrase a little bit here, but Moses says to God, okay, Lord, well, thank you for the information. Um, I probably could do that, but just remember that I have a speech problem, and uh, I'm not doubting what you've said, God, but... There might be somebody that could do a better job than me. And don't, just don't forget that I have that speech impediment, Lord. you remember that? He says, I'm a man slow of speech. Now, I don't think that was false humility. You know, sometimes we, we want to do something and we just pretend to be humble. You know, all we want to do is sing a special in church. And, and Brother Tyler never asks us to sing a special in church. And we're kind of angry with him. And, and one day he comes up to us and says, uh, hey, could you sing? And we say, oh, that's okay. But in our heart we think, yes, please, this is my moment. I don't think that's how Moses was. In other words, I think Moses did have a speech problem, and I don't know the extent of it, but when he said, I'm a man slow of speech, I think he was being honest with that. Now, what we would have probably told Moses is, Moses, just give it your best shot, and it'll be good enough. But that's not what God told Moses. God said, Moses, who is it that made your mouth? Who is it that purposed your life, Moses? Who is it that designed you, Moses? Who is it that knows everything about everything, Moses? Who is it that loves you, Moses? You know, that God gave Moses, it seems like, a speech impediment or a speech problem since birth. Maybe Moses all his life wondered why he could never get sentences out, but God gave that to Moses. And, and that, you know, think about it. When Moses goes before Pharaoh, nobody could say, well, Moses is just so good at giving speeches that Pharaoh had no choice but to let the people go because it was just such a moving, incredible speech. Is that what happened? No. No. God took somebody who really couldn't do something well and said, I'm going to do something through you. May I say serving God, that's what it's all about, saying, Lord, I I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this is going to happen, but God, I'll do something greater. God, I'll give you myself because God can do through us what we couldn't do on our own. Moses didn't have any power. If Moses the day before had gone before Pharaoh and said, let my people go, I don't think it would have gone very well. But when he followed God and he listened to God, God did something through Moses. Now I say this? It's reasonable to trust God with your life because God can do through your life what you could never figure out on your own. I mean, there's people that organize and they and that's a good thing, and they'll they'll have financial budgets and they'll they'll I mean, just their whole life is uh, there's something called an obsessive compulsive disorder. My wife probably wishes that I had it. I don't know, but I, I don't have it. I promise. But some of you are that way. I mean, every moment of your life is just planned out. But may I say this? No matter how organized you are, there's only so much that you can do. But God could do something through you. That's true for the church tonight. May I say this? Doing something greater for God may involve a step of faith that we don't understand. It it may not be, well, uh, we're going to budget this, and if, if we get rid of this, and we do this. No. How about you say, God, you put something on my heart. You show me something from the word of God. And whether I understand it, I'm just going to follow you, Lord, because I know you can do something through me. I want to give you an illustration, and I'll be done. I mentioned this to one of my groups that was going through the other night at the banquet. I wish that you could all come and visit Honduras. I know this is not practical. It is possible, but it's probably not practical. If you could come to Honduras, I'd love to show you different places. There's one church in Honduras that, because of its location, is really one of my favorite places to go. It's at the top of a mountain in a village called Buena Vista, Good View. And all the way at the top of this mountain, there's this little church. And it's one one room. No windows, no doors, maybe one or two light bulbs. Could probably have maybe 40 people in it, and it would be packed. When we drive up there, it's just, the view is amazing. I love taking people up there for the first time because every single moment of the trip, they're just breathless, and then they think it can't get any better, and you go around the corner, and the view just gets better and better and better. And and you feel like you're driving up and up and up and up, and you'll never get to the top, and you finally get to the top. You get to this church. There's a village with maybe 30 huts on the top of a mountain. It's a beautiful place, just untouched by everything. You feel like you're in a village that's been forgotten about by the world. And I remember on a Sunday morning at about 8 o'clock in the morning, we were getting ready to have a church service, and some Honduran folks were walking in the church. We were greeting them and glad to have them there. And there was a lady that walked in. She, was, she looked like she was elderly, but I, I'm not very good at judging age. And she was, she was hunched over a little bit, and she walked in, and she greeted us and shook our hands very warmly, both hands, you know, very happy to see us. And, and afterwards, the missionary that I was with said, that lady that walked in, she's She's sick and she's going to die very soon. But she'd be fine if she'd go to the doctors. And he said this lady's never left her village in her life and she's so afraid to leave her village. I've offered to take her. I'll pay for the appointment. I'll do anything I can but she won't go with me because she's never left this village in her life. And that kind of just got me to thinking about this little place up on the top of a mountain. She's never walked into a heated building or an air conditioned building. She's probably never slept on a mattress, never walked across carpet, never gone to a, a grocery store or a Walmart or any of the places that we're so used to. Her life and has been so much different than our lives. Man, I think about somebody like that. Think about the moment they walk into heaven ha- never having experienced any of the blessings that we take for granted, how great heaven's going to be for them. But I thought about this lady and I thought about how difficult her life has been and you know we didn't, I didn't grow up that way. Let me ask you a question. Does God love me and you more than he loves this lady in Honduras? Well, the answer is no. Obviously, God loves the whole world. God loved the, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's gospel is for whosoever. God loves this lady in Honduras as much as anybody he could ever love. So, so why is it that she was born in a village? Why is it that she was born in, the, in a place where hardly anybody's ever left and anybody's ever, nobody's ever come? Does God give us what he gives us because he loves us more? I May mean, I say this, everything that God gives us, he gives us with a reason, with a purpose. And God didn't give you this American life just so you'll sit back and say, boy, it's so good to be an American, it's so good to be blessed. And by the way, you ought to be thankful for those things. But God gives us what He gives us for a reason and for a purpose. And may I say this tonight, if there's any group of people that should be willing to do something greater for God, it's us. If there's anybody that ought to be willing to make a sacrifice, certainly it's us. As you you study and you learn about different places and you hear stories from different missionaries, most people don't have it as good as we have it. And we get frustrated when, when somebody's trying to help us to get involved in missions or get involved in church. If anybody ought to do something greater, it's you and I. May I say this? It's reasonable and it's logical because, because God, God made us, God knows us, God loves us, and God can do something through us. So here's my challenge and here's the moment of decision for each of us. We're going to make a logical and reasonable choice tonight. Are we going to make a choice to take what God's given us in the life that we have and the truth that we've been taught and are we going to do something with it? Are we going to let God channel His love through us to help people all over the world know who He is? I mentioned in the beginning 50% of the world doesn't have the gospel. Are we going to do something to change that? One person, one person, one individual, what a difference we can make if we get involved. It might be you tonight that God's putting a burden on your heart to get involved and do something greater doesn't necessarily mean giving I tell you this I I believe we ought to pray for missionaries I saw the booklet of all the missionaries your church supports missions conference isn't the only time you could pray for your missionaries there's times on the road even from my wife and I that we get discouraged and there's times that we have difficulties come up and we sure like to know people are praying for us and I promise you all of the missionaries that you support need prayer on a daily basis. Why not take some prayer cards and put them maybe in a napkin holder on your table and rotate through them and pray consistently for all your missionaries. Uh, Maybe it's visiting a field. You know, the Bible says to go into all the world. It's not that some are goers and some are senders. It's just where we go that we have to figure out. Some of us should go across the street. Some of us should go across the oceans. But I'll tell you this, it might be that God would have you go and visit a mission field. The Bible talks about visiting the fatherless. In other words, visiting orphans. Man, it's a good thing and it's a right thing to take some money and instead of going on family vacation for a year, go and visit a mission field and visit an orphanage where people have nothing. It's a right thing. Let's do something greater this year. How about we do make some sacrifices financially? Man, I I like coffee. I mentioned that. And I go to Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks and Tim Hortons and all those places, but we spend probably more money sometimes on, on things like that than we do on considering getting the gospel to the world. So here's the question Will you do something greater? It's a yes or no question, really, in your heart. And maybe you're doing what you're supposed to do, and that's fine. But maybe you need to do something greater.